Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? It's so good to see you here. I am so glad you're here. I want you to turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, you are somebody's miracle. Okay, you are somebody's miracle. Long distance high five. All right. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for being here today. We are continuing a series that we started last week called The Grave Robber. And in this series, we're looking at the miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. The, the Gospels uh, uh, talk about, record 34 distinct miracles that Jesus performed, although we know he did many, many more, but 34 are recorded. And in the Gospel of John, there are seven miracles that are recorded, and I believe that each one of these miracles reveals a new dimension of Jesus and who he is. And so my prayer in this series is that you will experience a miracle. Because I asked you last week, how many of you need a miracle? And a lot of you raised your hands. A lot of you said, I need a miracle. And my belief is, and my, my thinking is, that all of us, at some time or another, we need a miracle. And the reason is because one thing that's central to every miracle is that they begin with what? A problem. They begin with a problem. And so let me again just ask you a question. How many of you in this room right now, those of you watching online, how many of you have a problem? Raise your hand. Okay, so you've got a problem. I know you've got a problem. Some of you are sitting next to your problem right now. Some, some of you, your problem didn't come with you today. And, uh, but, but you have a problem. And so, and so all of you are candidates for a miracle. And I'm praying that God will perform a miracle in your life in this series. I believe that God is still in the miracle business. And I think God specializes in things that we call impossible. And so some of you have impossible situations in your life, and you need a miracle. And so I'm praying that God will show you, will bring you, will give you a miracle in this series. And don't let skepticism, this, this predisposition toward disbelief, okay, because of some you know, bad event or something happened in your past, this predisposition toward disbelief, don't let skepticism and don't let disappointment keep you from your miracle. Some of you have prayed for miracles in the past. And like I told you last week, I don't know why God doesn't answer every prayer. I don't know why he doesn't answer every prayer the way we think he ought to answer every prayer. But don't let disappointment keep you from believing that God can and does and will and may perform a miracle in your life. And so I want you to believe that as we're going through this series. And today I want to begin by asking you uh, a couple of questions. I want you to think about this. Here's the first question. Do you believe in coincidence or do you believe in providence? Coincidence or providence? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just, just, just think about that. How many of you do you believe in accidents or divine appointments? Accidents or divine appointments. How many of you believe that life is just a series of random events that, that are basically just unrelated to one another, or that you believe in a God who somehow and in some way is behind everything and he's orchestrating the events and the circumstances and the people of your life and, and that, that things have some kind of a rhyme and a reason to them? So just think about that for just a moment because you operate from one or the other perspective without really thinking about it, you, you believe one or the other. I happen to believe that God is behind stuff and he's orchestrating events and people and circumstances. It doesn't mean that every person I come in contact with is a divine appointment. 
It doesn't mean that every circumstance or situation is something that God orchestrated, but I believe that he's working behind the scenes in ways that we cannot see and that we really cannot even begin to understand. One of my favorite verses is in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I love this verse, and I want you to read this with me. Let's read it all together, okay? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. Isn't that great? Just trust him with all of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out because you can't. Okay, and, and, and follow him, submit all of your ways to him, and he will, some versions say, crown your efforts with success. Some say he'll make level paths for your feet. But trust him, because God's working. I believe God is working behind the scenes. Last week I told you about a statement that Dr. Roy Lawson had made that planted the seed in my heart that caused my wife Ann and I to move here and start this church 26 years ago. And he made the statement where he says, for some of you guys, if you're ever going to be in a growing church, you need to go out and just start one. Well, that's, that planted a seed in my heart. And, but what also happened was it began to unleash a whole series of events that, that as I look back on them, I could easily say, well, you know, that just happened. You know, that was just, you know, circumstance. I don't believe that. I believe that God began orchestrating just a whole series of events that took place. And as I look back, it's like, man, it's like one right after the other that happened to bring me to this place. It just so happens that my wife was uh, a realist. She was a, a, a realty manager. She managed rental properties somewhere around 50, okay, in Indianapolis at the time when we lived there. It just so happened that during this season when Dr. Lawson made that statement, it just so happened that I came across a seminar that was being offered in Chicago. And you know what the seminar was? How to plant a church. It just so happened that it was in the winter season. It just so happened that Indianapolis had one of the worst ice storms that the Indianapolis has ever experienced that year. And so my wife managing all these rental properties, it just so happened that she needed somebody to clean up all these yards that had limbs and, and trees and stuff down on the properties. And, and so it just so happened that I said, why don't you let me do it, pay me to do it, and, and we can use that money to go to the seminar. And so that's when I bought a chainsaw. I went out and bought a chainsaw. As you can see, this is a really heavy duty chainsaw. This is a man's, this is a man's chainsaw right here. <laughs> Okay, I'm so dumb and stupid when it comes to doing stuff like this that I'm surprised she even agreed to let me do it, but I went and bought an electric chainsaw. <laughs> so now I've got the electrical cords running everywhere. I'm surprised I didn't cut one of them in half and electrocute myself and die. But it just so happens that that didn't happen. But I, I've kept this chainsaw, and I will keep this until I go to the grave because it's a reminder that nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. It just so happens that we moved here to, I mean, there are lots of things that happen in between where I am now, but it just so happens that Ann and I went camping over at Fort Stevens State Park with some good friends, Alan and Cynthia Clother, and it just so happens that right across, I mean, this big campground, right across from our campsite was another couple, Dennis and Karen Quick. And Dennis became my worship pastor and would be my worship pastor for 18 years. It just so happened. I don't think things just happen. I think God's at work in ways that you and I cannot even begin to understand. God is at work in your life right now in ways that you don't know. 
and you can't figure out, and you may never understand until years from now. But we have to understand this. We have to believe this because God is in the miracle working business. He wants to direct and guide your steps. Now, sometimes people will say, okay, if you believe this, then does God cause all the bad things that happen to happen? Does, how many of you ever make a misstep? In other words, you do something stupid. Okay, all of us do. Does that mean God caused you to do that? No, but in the algorithm of the Almighty is something called free will. You get to choose. How many of you have ever made a dumb choice? You've done something stupid, okay? You wanna elbow the person next to you right now? We've all done something dumb. We all make missteps. Other people make choices that impact the, us. It doesn't mean that God caused that, but what it does mean is that God, because of who he is, and we'll talk about it in a moment, is outside of all of this, God can take even those things and use them for your good. I've seen that happen over and over in my own life. God can take stupid decisions that I've made, wrong choices, missteps, sin, and use it for my good. God can do that. He can take what we call impossible and do the possible. And so in this week's miracle, we're looking at this God who's a long distance healer. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. He's not limited by the things that limit you and me. And we're going to look at that. Let's, let's go to the story in John chapter four, verse 46 through 54. Now, once more, and Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And so he's there, and there's a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. In first century Israel, uh, royal officials and itinerant uh, Jewish rabbis didn't have anything to do with each other. They just did not run in the same circles. They didn't like each other. In fact, they, they tried to avoid one another. They wouldn't be friends on Twitter, and they certainly wouldn't be friends on Facebook, okay? They just did everything they could to avoid one another. But this official was in a desperate situation. And as you've discovered in your own life, that desperate situations require desperate measures. Have you ever been there? And so he's in a desperate situation. His son is about to die. And so he understands and he hears that this guy, Jesus, who turned water into wine, was there. And this guy, this, this official, will move heaven and earth to get to Jesus, this, this, this winemaker. And so we go on. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. I want you to underline that phrase, he went to him. And he begged him to come and to heal his son who was close to death. Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. And then the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Now, he referred to him as sir, and that's a term of endearment. It's a term of, of great respect. And it may seem like a, a, a minor detail, but it's actually, it's a big deal. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal because I don't think Jesus would have responded to a plea bargain based on political power. I don't think this guy could have used his political clout to convince Jesus to heal his son. What I've discovered, and probably some of you have discovered as well, that God does not respond too well to blackmail. 
He doesn't respond too well to bribery. But he responds very well to humility. And so this guy, uh, in, in a sense of desperation, he says, sir, sir, I need your help. And, and maybe that's what you need to hear today. You just need to hear and you need to, to turn to God and say, God, I, I need your help. I need your help. And so Jesus says to go and your son will live. And so the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. And while he was on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday, one at noon to be exact, one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Isn't that amazing? And so he and his whole household believed this guy, he looks at his sundial and he thinks, oh my gosh, that's exactly, that's exactly when Jesus said, go and your son will be healed. And you can just imagine what he must be thinking. And so he and all of his household, they believed. And this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now, there's a lot of lessons in here that we can learn. I want to very quickly give you five because at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, to be prayed for, for a miracle. Here's number one. God is not limited by what limits us. God is not limited by what limits us. Let me just ask you a question. What is limiting you today? What limits you today? How many of you are limited by money? Okay, two of you. Okay. <laughs> then why are our offerings like they are? God is not limited by time. Anybody here limited by time? Okay. God is not limited by energy. Is anybody here limited by energy? Any of you walking here today thinking, I'm tired. I've, I've watched you. I sit over here. I sit over here where I can see you. A lot of you are going. <laughs> during, some, <laughs> during worship today. Don't worry. I was doing the same thing. I was tired. Okay. In fact, I'm sitting there thinking, God, I'm tired. I, I woke up probably three or four, three or four times during the night. And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, God, I'm tired. I need energy. <laughs> okay. I'm limited by energy. I'm limited by space. I'm limited by geography. God is not limited by any of those things. Isn't that good to know? We live in a physical world with four known space-time dimensions, length, width, height, or depth, and time. And God dwells in a different dimension than these things. We would refer to it as the spiritual realm, in the spiritual dimension. And you and I just have a hard time getting our brain around that, that God lives in a dimension that's outside of the dimensions which he created that govern our world. Moses expressed it like this in Psalm 90. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. In other words, what Moses is saying, God transcends time. He transcends space. In 2 Peter 3, Peter says the same thing. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years to him. One day, it's just like a thousand years to him. And a thousand years is just like a day. We can't comprehend that. That's difficult for us to, to comprehend the idea of eternity and the timelessness of God. Our, our finite minds, they try to confine the infinite to our time schedule. And we can't do that. He's the one who's high and lifted up. He's the high and lofty one. In Isaiah 57, he says, 
for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. But notice this. But also with the one who is contrite and, and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isn't it good to know that we have a God who lives way beyond our time-space dimension, but yet he is a God who can identify with us right in this moment in time because he identifies with the lowly of heart. This ought to give you and me a deep, deep sense of comfort, knowing that God, even though he is timeless, even though he lives in eternity, he's not unreachable. In fact, just the opposite is true. He's right here right now in this moment in time. That's the God we serve. And so this ought to give us really a brand new perspective on prayer. And so let's, let's talk about that. Here's number two. God is only, and you can finish this, can't you? A prayer away. God's only a prayer away. Last week, Jesus demonstrated his power over water and over wine. In this week, he's demonstrating his power over time and over space. Time doesn't limit him. Space doesn't limit him. He's Lord over latitude and longitude. Uh, this, this miracle is both physiological and it's also geographical. Jesus is able to relieve a dangerously high fever without the use of Tylenol. And he does it from 20 miles away. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. This is introducing a brand new dimension of Jesus. This is introducing a brand new uh, dimension of who God is. You know, many miracles, most miracles occurred via laying on of hands or being right there present. This happens 20 miles away. And so this ought to give us a new perspective when it comes to the whole notion and the topic of prayer. One of the reasons we have a hard time believing God for miracles is because we think God is subject to the same limitations uh, in the laws of nature that we're subject to, that he created, but he's not subject to those things. You and I can only be in one place at one time. How many of you have ever said, I just wish I had more time in the day, but you don't? How many of you have said, I, I just wish I could be two places at one time, but you can't? We're limited to that. God is not limited to that. God is omnipresent, okay? The, the, the seconds on our clock only move forward, okay? And so it makes it difficult for you and me to even understand eternity, the fact that he's omnipresent and lives in a fifth dimension, let alone who's omnidimensional. In fact, this second miracle hints at his superluminal power. Superluminal means faster than the speed of light, that's pretty fast. That's 186,000 miles per second, okay? And th this hints at the power that he has. Here's the technical term for that. Instant, instantaneous non-locality. <clears throat> instantaneous non-locality, okay? Albert Einstein, he referred to it as spooky action at a distance. Spooky action at a distance. That's a great definition of prayer, isn't it? When, when you pray for somebody at a distance and you hear that they were healed, that's just weird. You see, those prayers of ours, when they leave our bodies, when they leave our voice, when they leave us, 
they exit, in, they exit from this four-dimensional world in which we live. And these prayers can be answered a half a world away. Isn't that amazing? My, my brother-in-law used to be on the board of uh, Christian, uh, Central India Christian Mission. And um, we support Central India Christian Mission, Ajay Lal, and he's been here to speak several times. One time Ajay was uh, speaking in India, and they were going to go up to northern India to speak, and he and two other evangelists. And so, very dangerous place for them to go. In fact, when they got there, the, uh, the police chief said that you, we're not going to allow you to speak here because there, there's already like 700 uh, Muslims that have, that have already gathered together, and they threaten to riot if you speak, and so we are not going to let you speak. Well, Ajay is a lawyer, and he knows the law, and he says, this is a democracy, and so I have the right to speak. And, the, and he said, and the police officer said, then if you speak, then we're going to have a gun aimed at you, and should they riot, we're going to shoot you. This is what they told him. And um, so they called back to their wives, and they said, this is the situation. We've made the decision. We're going to go ahead and teach. We just need you to know that we may not come home. And so they, they preached and they taught, and it was a magnificent evening. There was no riot. In fact, not only was there not a riot, but the police chief came to Ajay after the event and said, you've got to tell me more about this Jesus that you're talking about. And he helped them to get out of town. He took them through the roadways and to, to evade the people who were wanting to riot. Now, what's interesting is back home, uh, Barry was woken up at 3 a.m. one morning and with Ajay on his mind. And so he just began praying for him. And so he didn't know what to pray. He just prayed for Ajay. And so as they talked later, Barry said, hey, listen, I was woken up the other night, 3 in the morning, to pray for you. What was going on at that time? It was the exact moment that the policeman said that we'll shoot you if they riot. I mean, a spooky, spooky, isn't it? And you see, God is not limited by time, and God is not limited by space. When I say that, that you are somebody else's miracle, I mean that. And many times that miracle comes through prayer. And we underestimate the power of our prayer. And, and so I, I, I need you to understand that. that it's through prayer that God, many times, he allows us to be involved in people's lives, even though they might be a half a world away. He's not limited by that. That means you can sit with the persecuted people in Syria right now and be praying for those people in that country. That means you can be sitting with the people in Roseburg and praying for them right now. And your words go to a God who is not limited by time and space. Wouldn't it be horrible if we prayed to a God who had to jump on a horse and then deliver the prayer? He's not limited by any of that. I love in, in the 1960s, a psychologist, Stanley Milgram, he conducted the social experiment that was later popularized uh, by the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, which concluded that on, in, on average, any two people in the United States are separated by only six acquaintances, okay? You, you know that. You've, you've heard of this, I'm sure. Now, it's safe to say that in the last 50 years that it's probably not even six degrees. It's probably less than that because of social media, okay, because of Twitter and because of Facebook and all that stuff, the number is probably a whole lot lower. And so what we are witnessing in our time today, in the era in which we live, we are, we are witnessing the death of time and distance. I mean, the world gets smaller and smaller and faster and faster every day, doesn't it? 
But then you add God into the equation. Think about this. God knows everybody. God knows everybody. And not only does God know everybody, God knows everything about everybody. God knows everything about you. He knows the hairs on your head today, pre and post shower. Okay. And he knows the original color of your hair. Okay. And so he knows everything. And so if, if you know God, then there's only one degree of separation. There's only one degree of separation between you and everybody else on this planet today. I mean, truly, God is only a prayer away. Other people are only a prayer away. And if we can learn to understand that, here's number three. You go nowhere by accident. You go nowhere by accident. You have to decide, are, are, are things just, just mere circumstances or is God directing your steps? You go nowhere by accident. I could give you illustration after illustration after illustration. Here's, here's one of the most recent from my wife, Ann and I. We were down in Puerto Vallarta this, this past May. And on that given Tuesday, it was May 5th, um, Cinco de Mayo. And we were walking through the uh, lobby of the resort where we were staying. And it just so happens that the general manager was also there that day. It was his day off. But for some reason, he decided to go in to work that day. Even his wife says, what are you going into work for? Because this is your day off. Why don't you stay home? And he said, I don't know. I just feel like I need to go. And so we were walking around. And uh, we bumped into this guy, and we began talking to him. And so we told him, you know, I'm a pastor and all this stuff and about the church. And, and he says, you know, this is really spooky. And he says, I'm a, I'm a believer. And... and uh, and then we were talking about, you know, leadership and, and, and what it takes to run a place like this and all this. And he says, he, and, and I, I got to take that whole conversation and bring it to a close. Basically, and this is what he says. He says, now I know why I came in today. Now I know why God had me here today. He says, I've got chills up and down my body right now based on the conversation that we had with him. It was about a, about a 20 to 30 minute conversation. What I'm saying is you go nowhere by accident. Okay, there are people all around you. And, and again, I'm not saying that every person you bump into is a divine appointment, but, but what I'm saying is keep your antenna up because God is orchestrating, God is working, and you never know when you may be somebody else's miracle. And again, I'm not saying that, that you know, God causes bad things to happen to people or, or, uh, or, or he directs us into taking missteps and all of that. But what I'm saying is God, because he lives outside of time and outside of space, he can take even the, the bad things that happen and still use them for good. There's no better example than, than the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. You remember his brother sold him into slavery basically wanted to kill him, but they decided to sell him into slavery. And you take all those years, they go by, and, and he and his brothers were reunited. If you go to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, you intended to harm me. This is when they were reunited, okay? They didn't even recognize him. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God is at work and he's orchestrating and he's working behind the scenes. You may not be right where you want to be, but you're exactly where God needs you to be right now. Some of you think you're here by accident today. You're here because God needs you to be here. God wants you to be here. You need to be here today. I, I love the words of Dr. Richard Halverson. He's uh, since gone on to be with the Lord, but he was a Senate chaplain uh, as well as the pastor of Fourth Presbyterian Church in Bethesda, Maryland. For 23 years. And at the end of every service, this is what he would say. At the end of every service after 23 years, this is what he would say. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. And wherever you are, God has put you there. 
Wow, wasn't that powerful? And, I mean, if you could just stop right now and think that you go nowhere by accident, you are right where God is sending you and you're exactly where God wants you to be right now. Here's number four. God's timing is impeccable. God's timing is impeccable. The God who li- lives outside of space and outside of time, he knows no spatial or chronological limitations. And so setting up divine appointments for him is a piece of cake, okay? Even if it's on another hemisphere. God can set up a, a, a divine appointment with somebody on another hemisphere as easy as he can somebody right next door. It just isn't a problem for him, for him to do that. When I think about this whole thing about the impeccable timing of God and how he directs our step, again, I could give you situation after situation after situation of how God's timing is perfect. I remember when Ann and I were looking for property for this church and I was getting so discouraged. I remember we, we knocked on door after door after door after door after door trying to find property for this church. And I remember when we were sitting in the Seventh-day Adventist church just up the street, we rented there for 11 years. And I remember one Sunday I was so discouraged. And the reason I was discouraged, I remember it's because there was a piece of property on Sunnyside Road in 172nd that got bought by the Jehovah's Witness, okay? And, and, and I sat there and I sat there and I was angry at God. I was mad at God. In fact, Naomi's sitting right there. She and two other ladies were singing that Sunday. And as they were singing, I'm sitting there crying my eyes out and I'm ticked at God. I'm, I'm actually, I don't want to use the word that I was thinking because I'll get emails, but <laughs> I was angry with God. And I was crying and I was frustrated because we couldn't find property. And here the JWs, they buy a piece of property, build a building within months, and we can't find property. And I'm thinking, come on, God, what is up with that? And then he led us to this piece of property right here. And, 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 and again, I could tell you story after story after story about how this is why. This is why he put us right here, right now, this time, this place. His timing is impeccable. And I wish I had time to tell you all the stories, but have you discovered that miracles don't happen on your time frame? They don't. And have you also discovered you don't give God a deadline? A lot of people do that. You either answer this or I'm out of here. I'm too bad for them. I mean, think of all they miss in life because they think they can hold God hostage. I mean, how stupid is that? How ridiculous is that, that we could take a God who lives outside of time, outside of space, and hold him hostage? We are stupid people (laughs) to think we can do that. God is never early. He's never late. He's always right on time, isn't he? Here's number five. Some miracles take sweat equity. Sometimes you just have to work for your miracle. You, I had you underline verse 47, he went to him. Now, I, I've made the 20-mile drive from Capernaum to Cana, and it really isn't a bad drive, not in, not in a charter bus, okay? It's very comfortable, actually. It's, it's not that big of a deal. But I don't think I'd want to walk it because it's 700 feet. Uh, I mean, it's 20 miles, 700 feet distance in elevation, and, and uh, it, it's a tough, it, it would be a hard walk. And so stop and think about it. I, my guess is this old boy, this official, Uh, Given his social status, let's just say I'll bet you he was packing some pounds. Okay, he's used to eating good food and a lot of food. And my guess is by the time by the time he finally got to Jesus, he's probably going, (sighs) (sighs) you know. And and just I got to ask you something. I'm desperate. Give me a second. I better have a heart attack right now. And and he's desperate. He comes to Jesus, and 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 he he comes there and. 
And here's the point. Some miracles take sweat equity. Some miracles take sweat equity. You see, your effort does not make miracles happen. Okay, gets it, don't, don't miss this. Your, your effort does not make miracles happen, but your lack of effort will keep them from happening. Had this guy stayed in Capernaum, he would have missed his miracle. Let me ask you something. What are you willing to do for your miracle? Are you willing to walk from Capernaum to Canaan? Are you willing to walk 20 miles? I love the words of Dallas Willard. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And this is how he describes that. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. You cannot earn a miracle, but effort is a part of the equation. I think it's a miracle that we got this piece of property. But it did not happen without us knocking on door after door after door after door after door. And, and everything that has unfolded over 26 years and, and things that are even unfolding right now at this moment in time that I don't have time uh, to tell you about, things that are unfolding right now, again, prove to me that God's timing is impeccable, but we also have to be willing to walk to Canaan and do the work. And I, I wonder if you're willing to do that. Sometimes we have to do more than dream big. Sometimes we have to pray hard. And sometimes we have to walk a long ways. And I wonder if you're willing to, to walk 20 miles for your miracle. I wonder. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, um, to have somebody pray with you about your miracle. Before we do that, um, I'm going to ask you if you bow your head. Some of you here, you, you have missed the biggest miracle that Jesus has for you, and that is the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. Some of you uh, literally so far have missed that only because you've not surrendered your heart to Jesus. And I don't know why, but, but again, God knew you were going to be here before you ever showed up. He knew. And he, he knows those of you who need to surrender your heart to him. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He's not even frustrated with you. God loves you. But guess what? He's giving you the choice to accept him or not. It's the greatest gift he's given you to choose. And my heart today is that you would choose Jesus today. So you, you could receive the biggest miracle ever. And that's the forgiveness of your sins. If he never, never did anything else for you again, <laughs> does he need to do anymore? And so if you haven't, would you bow your head and, and I'm going to ask you if you'd pray aloud this prayer and I'm going to ask everybody here who's ever received that miracle if you'd also pray with me. Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I don't completely understand it, but I believe you have the power to do it. I'm asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen.